Now, we're really excited for Don and Renee Wooster, who uh, have come all the way from Arizona, took the Greyhound to get up here, and, um, and left on uh, Friday of last week, and they're here. Uh, we're, we're excited. Um, they, came, they come from Phoenix, Arizona, and they only brought shorts, so they didn't realize that they, you know, where they were coming. No, they, they knew. Um, but uh, they, they've done a lot of um, works, work with uh, at family camps and uh, led marriage seminars. They've done training uh, and worked with Young Life. And so they've got a great background uh, in this. And we're just excited uh, that you get to hear from them this week. And um, I'm just going to invite them up and we're going to pray for them. And uh, I'll let them take over. So, Oh, and they have four, four wonderful kids. Uh, and then one not so wonderful. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> what are they? Uh, Keegan, Jacob, Emma, and Abigail, right? Yeah, so let me pray for them, and we'll uh, hear from them. Father, I just thank you for Don and Renee. I just thank you for the words that they have been praying about for the last number of months and thinking about and crafting. And, Lord, we just pray that these are your words, that you would just speak through them right to our hearts. And we just uh, ask that you would open up our hearts to hear what it is that you want each and every single one of us to hear this week. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Pete. Thank you for letting us be with you. Even as we're getting up, Don goes, you should stand on the stairs. No one's going to see you if you stand down there. And I go, no, they'll be able to see me. So um, kind of see me, yeah. How are we doing on his microphone? No. Usually, oh, oh, yeah, there you are. Yeah. So, uh, one button. I'm a one button kind of guy. Really. <laughs> Find that out about me. We did. We really actually overpacked to be here in Minnesota because we kept picturing what cold looked like. And when you live in the desert, you forget about cold. I know that's really odd. I know that's weird, but we can't remember like what you what you were supposed to put on. And so I just kept putting more and more sweaters in. Like as I unpacked here, I went, wow, I brought like eight sweaters. I don't know when I'm going to wear all eight sweaters, but I have plenty of sweaters. We, we kind of overshot a little bit. Like I kept picturing the ice planet, you know, from the Star Wars series. So I was going, I need really thick, warm, you know, socks. And, and sort of going, what, we're from Phoenix. And so cold is like, well, you guys don't call it cold. We yeah. call it you know, yeah. the, the dead of winter. It's in the 60s. And we're kind of layered <laughs> Everyone up. Everyone get their layers on. Um, if you yes. went to our sports events and you saw what women wear for when it's 60 degrees because they want to be long, those long jackets. And jackets and And it's jackets. 65 degrees. And <laughs> we're at a softball game. Right. And I just feel bad. Like, <laughs> going, it's a beautiful jacket, but it's about 50 degrees too warm for it. It's you so true. Be, yeah. yeah. So I'm originally from the Midwest. I'm um, from Iowa, and I moved out to um, Arizona right after I graduated from college. And so it was, uh, I actually moved out there to kind of um, dry off. Like, I, I remember at a really young age, like, getting all the... Um, all the equipment on, right? Like, I remember being, like, the Christmas story. Have you seen the Christmas story? Like, being that kid, you know, walking around. And I, I never really, uh, I never embraced the cold. And so I was like, I really want to go to a warm-weathered place. And so we, I moved out to um, Arizona. And then when Don and I got married, I said, so um, we went to Maui for our honeymoon, which was a tremendous gift. And then I said, hey, we need to get ready to buy tickets to go back to Iowa for Christmas. And he goes, really? 
we're going to Iowa for Christmas. Because you know where that's at, right? <laughs> so I go, well, let's just look at, let's look at ticket costs. So he comes back to me and he goes, Renee, I totally am committed to you. And I love you deeply. Deeply. But I want to let you know that it's more expensive to fly to Iowa at Christmas than it was to go to Maui. <laughs> so I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. So the fir first time that Dawn came back to the the Midwest, my mom, because she was like hosting, she's a hostess, she made like, I'm not exaggerating, like 13 dishes. Like they're all on the counter, like just every kind of dish you can imagine, right? And then um, Don said, he, he pointed to something that was on the counter and he goes, what is that? And I go, it's a salad. And he goes, it's got whipped cream in it. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, I go, in the Midwest, they call those salad. And he goes, with marshmallows. <laughs> he goes, seriously. He goes, this is a stretch to call that a salad. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I learned. I go, because I was going, so it's a salad. I don't know what you call it, fruit salad, or <laughs> snicker bar salad, something. It was, it's something I just sort of go, okay, the rest of the world, I don't think would agree with you. Like, I don't know who to call, but I don't think... At a certain point, that's just not going to work. Yeah. But, it, but I've, I've come to appreciate those yeah. salads. Yeah, you have. Because he does know kind of the warning signs. Like, I go, don't, don't, go don't there. challenge it, Do not sweetie. Go there. That's not something yeah. we challenge in the Midwest. Yeah, our first summer, we came back to the Iowa State Fair, which is in Iowa, you know, kind of a holy place. <laughs> and we went to the butter sculpture, which that year, it was Jesus. And <laughs> at the Last Supper... Like a six-foot oleo Jesus <laughs> and all of his disciples and the line to go by and see it was long and we're in line with her parents and her mom and she goes, this is going to blow you away. <laughs> and we finally got to the front of it and I was looking at Jesus, butter Jesus, tall as me and all the disciples staring back and she goes, what do you think? And I go, no words. <laughs> Like, I just go, wow, I've, I've never seen anything like this. I, I could tell when we were seeing it that I go, oh, Don's just collecting information right now. Well, I had, a lot, of, I had a lot of smart aleck comments, <laughs> but Renee just goes, think about it. Long term. Think about it. You've married Iowa. Do you really want to be critical of the butter Jesus? We're kind of excited about him. You know, I'm kind of thinking, can you take a cracker and just, <laughs> I mean, these are the strange random thoughts I have about butter Jesus and all the disciples, all of them. It's huge. How many cows did they sack? I don't have no <laughs> idea. But anyways, I'm, I'm off. So we have four kids. Um, Keaton is <coughs> um, 25 and Jacob is 19 and uh, M Abigail or Emma is 17 and Abigail is 14. We just had um, three birthdays in January, so we have to always... Right, we have three birthdays in one week right after Christmas, so that's really interesting. Pull down Christmas, put up birthday. So, um, so we really enjoy our kids, and they bring us all kinds of life and goodness and all kinds of stories, too. And then they yeah. also are a direct mirror right in front of us to show us who we are, right, all the time. Like, this is who you are, and you're like, oh, great. Yeah. <laughs> okay, it's true. But you know what? Um, it was great. Even walking around this morning and seeing the little kiddos running around, um, we, we did a lot of family camps with our kids. 
And I got to tell you, now that they're older, they still talk about those family camps. Like they still talk about the lodge where they had bacon, piles of bacon. You can just keep eating it, you know, and, and the big, huge stuff and the fire outside. I mean, you know, we've tried to do really cool things with them over the years, but they always talk about family camp. Our kids do as they get older. There's something real great about being away with people, about being in a place like this. There's something kind of magical and holy and special. And uh, for our kids, um, I, I was watching your kids run around, and I just go, wow, you're making such a great investment yeah. in their lives. Um, when they're old, they're going to be talking about things like this. So, so way to go. I was a little jealous and a little sad because seeing your kids run around and, and do stuff. I go, oh, my gosh, ours have gotten too big. Um, but it's also really <laughs> joyful to get to see that and think about the things you're depositing and layering into them. Mm-hmm. It, it'll be things that'll, you know, decades from now will still be significant. Our oldest son, um, Keaton, when he was um, five years old, we were pregnant with Jacob, and he was getting ready to go to school. And uh, we had sat down, and I was trying to explain to him. I go, we're going to have another baby. And he goes, well, how do we know that? Because, you know, mommy doesn't look pregnant. And I go, well, you know, mommy, uh, mommy went potty in a little cup. <laughs> and we put in a stick, and the stick told us she's going to have a baby. <laughs> And he thought about it for a minute and he goes, all right. <laughs> right? So, so he's, gonna, he's getting ready to start school, and it, we've got to do the little basic stuff before he goes to school. So we take him to the pediatrician, and he's got to do uh, a little hearing test and a little eye test, and they you know, measure and weigh him. And then the nurse gives him a little cup and says, I need you to go in there and go potty. <laughs> so he takes the little cup, and he starts to walk to the bathroom, and he just freezes. He goes, Dad, is this to find out if I'm pregnant? <laughs> Okay, I should have reassured him, but I'm a little twisted. So I kind of say, well, do you think you're pregnant? <laughs> so the nurse is horrified. Like, she's going to call Child Protective Services, right? On the deal, he goes, I don't think so. I go, you better check. <laughs> right? I mean, it was, it was too high. I mean, <laughs> you know, he comes back with his little cup. He hands it to the nurse, you know, shaking. and shaking, and, like, and he goes, <laughs> right? Um, but it was, it was kind of, here's the deal. He's trying to figure out life, right? We say, we're going we're gonna to be pregnant. How do you do? You go potty in a cup, and then you get a stick. And he was just trying to figure out, how does life work, right? Which, you know, he was five. Now he's 25. He's still trying to figure out how life works. Yeah. Probably harder now than when he was five, yeah. right? I'm still trying to figure it out, mm-hmm. right? We're newbies up here, mm-hmm. right? We're the we're newbies with you guys, so we're not experts. We're in it, just like you guys are. Um, and so, uh, I mean, we're falling forward, and we're looking for truth and grace in our lives. But, um, you know, you don't get a certificate of completion with parenting or marriage. So what we'd like to do at the end of the weekend is to give you a certificate of incompletion. Congratulations, you're incomplete. Congratulations, you're in process. Congratulations, you're figuring it out. Keep coming, right? We're just figuring it out. But it's great when we can do that together. It's great when we can kind of stir each other and remind each other and point each other to the good stuff. Yeah, that's why in in Scripture so many times it's pointing us to this whole idea of a practice and a posture. 
we get to practice those things. We're <coughs> invited into something that's greater than us because he's the source, not us. So as we practice those things and we take on a posture, that's what changes us. But any time that we get messed up and think we're the ultimate source, right, that's what really wrecks us. So we're going to just talk about the things that are essential. Like Keaton was kind of going, what's essential? What's necessary? How does life work in that? So, um, okay, give me a number between 1 and 74. Someone give me a number. 14. 14. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Yeah. We're going to give you a small statue of the butter Jesus. Okay, Michael or Valerie Corrigan, come on up. Okay, give me another number. 35. Okay. Brad or Becca, one of them, come on up. Did I get someone from that first yeah, one? Oh, they okay, were slow. They're, okay, they're last slow. number. They're Give me one more number. 17. 17, 17 is Jan or Deb. Jim or Doug. Ja, Jim or Deb. Okay, one of them has to come up. Let's go. Paper, ro paper rock, scissors. Okay. Who is it? Who so, is it? do we find them? Someone point to them if they're not coming up. Thank you. We've got name tags. We can He's find seriously you. Seriously hiding. That's the thing. You wore a name tag. We'll find you. There's no place to hide. Okay. Okay. All three of you go over here to this little table. And here right. is everyone. Has everyone played Jenga before? Yes. Okay. So the whole idea is, right, you pull out something, right, and keep the structure, the integrity. And so you have to figure out. So let's, because we're so cordial, yeah, let's, let's have, get, let's have, and side. which your name? Valerie, yeah. we're going to have Valerie go first, and she's going to pull out the first block. If you touch it, you, you have to study. If you touch it, that's and the thing. And then you got to put it on top. you got to place it on top, right? N no. Yeah, yeah, you do. Yeah, you keep really? building. Is that you keep true? Building. Yep. Oh, you keep everyone's affirming. Yes, that's right. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay. yeah. You can choose. You go can ahead. Choose. I think because you were studying it, you should go ahead. Oh, he's going way down in the base. Oh, okay. gutsy move. Nice. Uh -huh. nice. I know. The I thing is, this, the table's a little shaky, yeah, but we, that's just... We found a shaky table just to make <laughs> this hard. <clears throat> okay, they were all nice. able. Okay, Let's give them a hand. Much. Go thank ahead and sit down. Okay, you guys can sit down. Sit down. Good job. Okay, so here's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, in each of the little times we get together, we're going to talk about things that are essential. And when we do it, we're going to play this little Jenga game because here's the deal. Um, if you pull out something that's really essential to the rest of the structure, we will see what happens. It all collapses, right? And it's true in our life, too. There are essential things in all of our lives. And if we miss those things or we pull those things out, we're going to also experience a pretty big collapse, right? Those blocks all look pretty similar, but in fact, some of them structurally are absolutely critical, right? There are a lot of things in our lives that look pretty comparable, but you pull one of them out and you can really make a significant difference. And so part of what we're going to just think about together is, is what are some of those essential things that for you and I, that really a lot of other things stack on, a lot of other things are tied to. And we're going we're gonna to spend a few minutes each morning. One of the things that, the thing that we want to talk about this morning, essential, is, is how we navigate our lives, how we figure that out. I had a, something on my bucket list this morning as I woke up, 
and they put us way down by the lake. I thought maybe Pete was just pranking us since we're the first people, you know, we haven't been here before. Go way down by the lake, it's next to the indoor pool. And I go, seriously, indoor pool, Pete? Okay, is this like you do this for the new people? There's no indoor pool, I don't think so. Um, you know, my freshman year in high school, the seniors used to sell elevator passes to the freshmen, right? For a dollar, and you go, what's that? He goes, yeah, you take the elevator to the pool, it's on the top of the gym. Yeah, it's a buck, here, give me a buck. I mean, all these freshmen are buying elevator passes. There's no pool on the top of the gym. You're a freshman, right? But that sense of, of kind of like, how do we navigate? When I, was, uh, when I looked out on that frozen lake this morning, which is kind of amazing when you're from Phoenix, I actually thought the last time that I was on a frozen lake was in 1975. And uh, I was in high school, and I was on a trip that Young Life had just started the year before. It was a wilderness trip in the Colorados. And... Uh, we went on this trip, and it was in June of 75. They had the biggest, one of the biggest snowstorms in Colorado history the week of that trip. And so day one, we took off into the mountains for five days in the Wimanuch Wilderness area. And three hours after we left, we hit a snowstorm, and we were just in it. So we got to our base camp, which was supposed to take four hours. It took like 10. And the next morning, we got up, and we started to navigate. And all we had was a compass and a map back then. There's no GPS. There's no sat phones. There's just old school. And we start hiking towards our destination and we're post-holing and we've got the compass and we've got the map but we have no visuals we don't really know where we are and so as we're doing that um, about three hours into the trek there's 15 of us and i'm near the back i've got a 100 foot rope that we're going to repel later on and there's a guide behind me and we're post-holing and i look in the bottom of one of the holes and this does look like the ice planet on you know, on Star Wars. I mean, the wind is blowing. It's total whiteout. You can only see probably 20 feet. I look down at my boot prints, and I see a little bit of water. And I go, that's weird. And I bend over, and it looks like if you get real low, it looks like it's completely flat. And I turn to the guide, and I go, wow, this almost looks like a lake. And then there's this crack. And the first three people drop right into the lake. We're on Twin Lakes in the Wimanooch Wilderness area. We were off our trajectory. And they're just dropping into the lake in the middle of the snowstorm. And everybody freezes, I mean, because it's just kind of a thing. And then everybody steps forward and the ice cracks again. Right? And if you've ever been on ice when it cracks, like you feel it, you hear it. It's like it goes through your whole body. Right? And, uh, and so the guide, uh, a couple of folks pulled out one of the leaders, and then the guide crawled out. He stands on the edge of that ice. We've got a, a camper who was as tall as me and bigger than me. Her name was Jane. We had these big, fluffy down coats in the 70s, if you guys were old enough to remember these big old oversized coats. She's got a 45-pound pack. Jane drops the lake. She bobs up her whole jacket and then just gets, you know, like all, she bobs the top and then she's going back down. And this guy, Jim, reach, stands on the edge of the ice, reaches down, grabs the back of her collar, pulls her up out of the water. One-handed. One-handed and puts her on the ice. And I'm watching it going, that's not possible. Like the physics of that are not possible. The ice isn't breaking, Jim's not that strong. Give adrenaline, whatever. And he puts her on the thing. And uh, we go back, everybody, you know, it, there's a bunch of adventure all week, right? But I have not been on an ice lake since then, okay? But when I, walk, when I woke up this morning, I saw the trucks out there fishing, and I love fishing. So I'm like going, wow. I would love to fish. You got to go out on an icy lake to fish. My last experience was not that good, right? So I'm a little conflicted to go, wow, that looks great. But 
And really, we got on that lake because of a navigation error. We didn't have a reliable system. We didn't have a way of orienting. That's what got us into that harm's way. And so we want to talk about how we navigate our lives. If our system is off, we may get on real thin ice relationally with our families, with our lives, right? And that can have devastating consequences. Um, we brought a slide, if our slide came up. It's the, it's the original navigation system. Um, it's the North Star. And that's a picture, an exposed picture of the North Star. That, those are the rest of the star. That's the light that's traveling around it. That in the center is the North Star, the Polaris Star. Um, no, that's just an exposed picture. But as you can see, the rest of the star system is moving, but that North Star, that Polaris Star, it doesn't move. Um, it actually points to true north, right? It, it's not affected by the gravitational pull. You use a compass and you get the magnetic north. But that star, which you can see if you orient that, always goes true north. That star made navigation possible for thousands of years. You could travel distances. You could orient because you go, that is true north. And part of what we believe is we have to have a true north yeah. in our lives. We have to have something that we know has consistency, that we know always points us mm -hmm. in the true north. If we don't, if we're navigating from any other star, um, you know what? It's moving. Mm -hmm. It's changing. It's shifting, and we think there's a, a true north that we want to connect to mm -hmm. and sort of go, we can depend on that. Yeah. The immovable part is the essential part of that, right? Anything that moves and we're navigating by it, it's going to move us into the wrong direction. It's going to put our compass off. So we have to find the things that are essential and that don't move that are stable, right? We go, what are the things that we absolutely need in our life? And what are the things that we fix our eyes on? We have, um, we have a Kinko's in our um, neighborhood where we run over and do miscellaneous things at different times. And Don came home one day and he goes, Renee, he goes, I really want you um, to come with me to Kinko's. And I go, seriously? And he goes, yeah. And I go, like a field trip. And he goes, you just got to meet the guy who works at Kinko's. And he goes, I had the, the craziest experience today at Kinko's. And I go, all right. So I said, well, let me know next time we go. So we walk into the Kinko's, and as we open the doors, there's this big bellow and says, hello, welcome to Kinko's. And Don and I turn around, and I go, he goes, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I go, wow. He walks over to us, and he's Greek. Yeah. And he goes, he goes, hello. He goes, how may I help you today? And I go, how? We're here to make copies. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, I would love to assist you. Come with me. So he takes us over, and he goes, your husband, I've met him before. He is such a big, strong man. Handsome man. Handsome man. Let's not forget. <laughs> Don't forget that part. Let's get all the adjectives in there. <laughs> and I said, I go, his name's Savory. I go, Savory, he is big and strong. And he goes, and you? You are a beautiful creature. You are like a ripe piece of fruit. <laughs> I go, oh. oh. He goes, and the two of you, oh, oh. so much. Oh. Oh, this is so beautiful. It's too much. And I, go, I go, wow. I go, this is almost too much, right? So I go. I made a lot of copies. I'm just kidding. I'm going there. Bad day at work. I'm going to copy something. 
so we talked with Sabri a little bit. He's, he's delighted that we're there. He's welcoming us. He's assisting us. Is there anything else, anything else he could do for us? And then someone else walks in, and he turns his attention, and a woman walks in, and he goes, hello. Just <laughs> the same thing, right? And then we see him, like, every time <coughs> someone walks in, a greeting, an affirmation, a welcome. He's like, oh, I'm so glad you came to visit us today. How can I help you? How can I help you? That's our favorite. How can I help you? And, uh, and then at one point, we see this woman, and she walks in, and as... She's uh, a newbie. And she's, she doesn't know Sabri, because it's almost too much, right? You know, like the welcome, you go, the greeting's so big. And she walks in, and he goes, oh, welcome. And he goes, oh, you are a beautiful woman. And an interesting thing happened, because it was like, it wasn't happening to us, and you could see something different, right? And she turned, and she said to Sabri, do not call me beautiful. I'm not beautiful. Stop it. And Sabri goes, okay, but I cannot stop myself. <laughs> right? And there's this whole idea of, you know, someone is pouring out on us. God invites us and welcomes us, right? This welcome, like you go, this welcome, this greeting, this kind of place you go, it's almost over the top, but it's also this place where you go, he's just lavishing and when God welcomes us into his presence, he goes, oh, I'm so glad you came. Come on in. Let me tell you who you are. Yeah. Let me tell you what you're about. Yeah. And don't we find ourselves being like the woman. And you say, you're so beautiful. No, don't say that. I remember when our kids, when Emma was about in fourth grade, and she came out and I said, Emma, you look, you look radiant today. And she turned and looked at me, and she, sh she shrugged her shoulders. And I go, huh, it's starting. It's starting. The battle against a woman especially is this self-hatred, to not love what God has deposited. It's a battle a woman has her whole life. And as I watched her, I was like, oh, Emma, I go, here's the thing. If I say that to you, I so much want you to receive it. Can I say it to you again, and then can, you, can we do something differently this time? Can I say it, but can it not fall to the ground? Can I say, you look radiant, and then you can say, I received that. So that became a posture in our house because what we realized is that we're all kind of prone to not receiving. So when we say something to someone else, when we say something to our daughters, to our wives, to one another, that we say, hey, I just want to tell you something I noticed about you. Because most of us think that if someone says, I mean, I remember when my mom and dad would say my full name, it always meant I was in trouble, right? Renee Lynn Tracy, <laughs> right? And when our kids were little, I was like, oh, I want them to know their full name in the best way. So I'm going to use their full name, and then I'm going to say a great thing after it. Abigail Grace Wooster, you are made for good things. But isn't it true that we don't want to receive, so we have this whole idea of, we need to receive it. And even in the Bible, when it talks about the word receiving, it's like it's not a passive kind of behavior. In the Bible, when it talks about receiving, it says you bring it down, you pull it down, you embrace the thing that God has for you. Yeah. It's a pulling all the way into us. Yeah. And part of that process <clears throat> as we navigate is to kind of go, if, like one of the essential qualities of navigating is that we're, <clears throat> we're looking for the place that is welcoming. We're looking for the place that is waving us in and welcoming us. 
right? Now, the task then is for our ability to receive it, right? But when we're on track with our lives, if we're looking at something that's really essential, if we're looking at something that's constant and reliable, that thing should be welcoming. That thing should be drawing us in, right? And as it does, we should be receiving it. Part of that navigating is going, where are we genuinely, truly being welcomed? Mm -hmm. And are we able to receive that? If we're doing that, we're probably heading true north. Mm -hmm. We're probably heading into something that's rich and real and good. If it's not welcoming us, we, we're probably off track. Mm -hmm. We're probably wandering more than navigating, mm -hmm. right? We're probably wondering more than following, right? But when something is welcoming, and then we're able to receive it, man. That is an essential part of going, I think I'm walking into the best. Yes. I think I'm on track. I think that's a reliable sort of kind of source. When we offer that to each other, you know, each time we're gonna take a little look at the end of each of our times when we're here at a, a, a little exchange that Jesus has in the New Testament, um, because we found him to be a true north in our lives. Um, and so uh, this morning, we're going to read just a, a little bit of a passage just for a minute here out of John chapter 4. And this is an, an encounter where Jesus is on this two-day journey. And then the second day of this journey, it's pretty hot and long. His disciples have gone in to the town to buy some food. And Jesus is sitting by a well. And Jesus, who's Jewish, is about to in, uh, have an exchange with a woman who's Samaritans. And Jews and Samaritans have a very long um, toxic relationship and distrust and uh, for a whole bunch of reasons, religiously and politically and everything else, but they do not get along. And the Samaritan woman who Jesus is going to encounter would have every reason to believe that as a woman and as a Samaritan, um, that she's going to be rejected <coughs> by a Jewish rabbi or teacher. She would have every reason to expect rejection. That would be normal. And in this encounter, um, as Jesus meets somebody who's not used to being welcomed or received, um, we see just picture of the kind of welcome that he makes and actually even the kind of way he challenges us to receive. Um, and so we want to just take a minute just to read that as we're finishing our time today. <clears throat> so if you want to look it up, it's John 4, uh, or you want to read it up above with he, us. <clears throat> when a Samaritan <clears throat> woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, this question, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into a town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, this is an important line. This is a true north. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Receive it, right? Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give to them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them, inside of them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw the water. And you can see, like, 
even in the navigation of this, is that as the Samaritan woman is coming to Jesus, she has an expectation, an idea of how things will work. And isn't that true for us, even as we come to Christ, like how we think things will work? And yet, he is bringing about this truth to navigate her life, this message that's essential to say, the thing you're looking for that you're trying to find in all the other places, as you go on to read, you go, no, you have more than one husband. You've been trying to find meaning in some other places that are vacant. And as you look into those places, the well is dry. But this water that I'm talking about doesn't run dry. And it's actually so available to you that it can be inside of you. The living water that never stops going. Give me that. And when she says that, she says, I receive it. I receive the thing you're talking about. I want that. The thing I've been so thirsty for. The thing I've been looking everywhere. All the things that I'm measuring my life by. Could you give me that kind of water? Yeah, I think that that Jesus would say, you're expecting to be rebuked. And instead, Jesus goes, if you knew the gift that I had for you, you're you're thinking I'm going to reject you. But really, I have a gift. And if you knew that gift, you would just ask and I'll give it. And actually, what you're drinking is well water. And well water just doesn't get deep enough in you. Well water doesn't get all the way into your soul, and it's really your soul that's thirsty, yeah. right? So it's fine, but it's well water. And if you knew I've got a living water, it actually goes to deeper places. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way into your soul, and at the end of the day, our souls are thirsty. Is there really a good news? Is there really a welcome? Is there really a gift awaiting from someone who's maybe a stranger to us? Mm-hmm. Is that true? Can that be true? That would be really powerful news, but wow, it would be a lot to receive that when we don't expect it. Mm-hmm. And in that little exchange, I think that sense and what we want to have you guys think about a little bit this morning is just that sense of going, you know, what is it that's drawing you? What are you, what are you orienting your lives from? And we think a sense of welcome is a large part of what can draw us, mm-hmm. of where we're welcomed. And we also think that if we're honest, we're probably all thirsty for a little something this morning. Mm-hmm. We're, we're probably all, uh, it's not that we don't have water to drink, but sometimes we're still thirsty, mm-hmm. even after we've had, you know, um, a glass of regular well water. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's so many great things that are happening this weekend. I mean, someone's making us our meal and cleaning up our dishes. That's Come in on. itself. That's beautiful. Come on. Right? That's better and than then, a butter Jesus, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Hands down, better than a butter And we also get space and time to consider something, a thought that can get inside of us, right? A truth that's new, uh, a new place to go inside of us. And the other opportunity we have is as we're together in groups that we can have some place to kind of share. We always walk away and go, that's actually where the best kind of transactions work. Is that we go, we get to be with people and kind of go, yeah, as I heard that, this kind of stirred for me. So you're going to have an opportunity to do that in um, small groups after each of the time that we talk with you. Today, we would, we would love for you, we're going to have some little white Dixie cups and some Sharpies. So each group will have some Dixie cups and a Sharpie. And what we'd love for you to do is to, to ask the question, what are you thirsty for? What are you thirsty for? Yeah. And maybe on the outside of your cup, you go ahead and you write that word. We'd love for you to do that. 
There's something odd that happens when we do the gospel, when we do the thing that we're talking about. And it's really odd, but when you write something down, something different happens. So if you take the cup and then you share in your group, there's a few questions that Pete's going to share with you, but we'd love for you to share that in your group. What what are you thirsty for? And where have you felt welcomed? So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to bring Pete up. Um, Our our youngest daughter, Abigail, several years ago, we were finishing a little family time, and, and we were just all, at the end of the prayer, we just all said amen. And Abigail was just a beat behind us. And as soon as we finished, Abigail said, I'm in. And we kind of stopped because she was just a beat behind us. And I go, Abigail, what did you say? And she goes, I'm in. Isn't that what we say at the end of a prayer? I'm in. And we all sort of looked at each other. And I go, yes. That's a little better than amen. Amen means I agree, right? But I'm in means we're willing to step into it. Whatever we just ask for, that we would be active participants, yeah. right? So I'm going to say a little prayer, and when we finish, we're going we're gonna to close it Abigail style, <laughs> right? Because what we're hoping this weekend is that we're all in, mm-hmm. right? If you come and you're not, you're going to miss something amazing. So we're going to pray Abigail style. Pete's going to come up, direct us, organize us, tell us what to do. So let me do that. So Jesus, thanks that uh, you're alive and you're real, and you have a gift for us beyond our knowing. Thanks that you welcome us no matter where we're coming from, um, no matter how we're wondering or wandering or wounded, you welcome us. And thanks that you have words of life and truth. So help us receive. Help us sense your presence in one another, this time, this beauty, and this space. And as our sweet daughter Abigail says, I'm in. Pete, come on up.